0: Welcome to the Employment, Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode One Hundred and Eighty of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice where we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law including representation in the Employment Tribunal. If you have any cases or issues that are ongoing you'd like advice on then do not hesitate to get in touch. We offer an initial free telephone call so we can make the arrangements to chat to you about your case or the issue before you're committed to any costs with us. You can contact me, my email address is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. In this week's episode of the podcast I'm bringing you quite a topical subject, something that we're being asked about quite frequently at the moment and that's in relation to mental health issues at work. So hopefully you'll find this episode helpful and as always if you have any questions please don't hesitate to get in touch. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I said at the beginning, we are being asked a lot more questions about employees who are suffering with anxiety and depression, and more so I think recently because of coming out of COVID and lockdowns and the additional pressure that everybody's been under. So I thought it'd be useful to recap a bit here about mental health and work. Now I did do a series on mental health and work back at episode 75 and that was the first episode in that mini series. So if you want to go back into a bit more depth about mental health and work you can find all the details there and I'll put a link in the show notes. But for this episode, what I'm going to do is just give you some practical tips that you can use in your business to deal with mental health issues and to help prevent them from arising. Now, I will say that I'm certainly not trained in relation to this. I don't have additional mental health training and I'm certainly not trained as a mental health first aider. And there are certainly many organisations and people who are and can provide you with a lot more in-depth information. But as you know I like to look at things from a practical basis and things that you could be doing on a day-to-day basis and this is all based on my own experience. I've been in- advising people about employment law now for around 18 years so since I was a trainee solicitor and in that time I've advised a large number of individuals and employers in relation to issues that have arisen at work due to mental health and also I've advised employees who have disabilities um, recognize very serious mental health conditions. So I do have a bit of experience there so hopefully I can share that with you. Before I get into the tips I want to start by talking about what the causes of ill health are and anxiety and depression are the most common mental health problems and it's often caused by the reaction to a difficult life event such as a bereavement. But it can also be caused by work-related stress and work can also aggravate a pre-existing condition. It's important to understand that in many cases, those people who are diagnosed with anxiety and depression are caused by a factor that may have taken place. For example, something that happens at work or outside of work. I also think it's important to understand about mental health in a similar way to physical health, in that your physical health can fluctuate from time to time, depending on various factors. So for example, you might be a very healthy person who goes to the gym, you have, you know, good muscle strength, but then something happens, for example, you break your leg and then you're not able to go to the gym. And so your physical health may deteriorate. But of course, once you're fit and healthy, you can get back to that sort of strength again. Now, if you think about mental health in a similar way, that we have a baseline in which most people have a baseline in which they live by, that certain things can happen in your life that can mean that that baseline changes. So, for example, what's happened with a lot of people is they didn't previously suffer with anxiety and depression, but The effects of lockdown or the effects of being overworked or having additional stresses and pressures at home can cause their mental health condition or their mental health baseline to drop. And so if you think about mental health in a similar way to physical health in that it can go up and down depending on circumstances, it's very helpful. Of course there are some people who have long-term serious conditions and that are caused by other factors and then of course that's a different consideration. What I'm talking about here are ways in which you can help people who have this mental health condition that's caused by a factor, potentially caused by work or the stress around work. So what are my top tips? Well the first one is to try to prevent issues from arising in the first place. So if you treat mental health like you would physical health, in that you undertake a risk assessment in relation to physical health risks, you should also undertake a mental health risk assessment within your organisation to try to identify where those risks lie for individuals. Of course providing good working conditions and promoting a healthy work-life balance are really important as preventative measures. It's also important to lead by example by maintaining your own health and well-being and having an eye on your own mental health but also ensuring that you're you are working to a Balance in terms of your work life, and you aren't getting to the point of burnout or stress. Just as important, that you keep an eye on your own mental health and well-being. You should also ensure that managers are trained to be effective people managers, so that they are able to manage the people appropriately and again prevent those problems from happening. And to have an eye on employee mental health and well-being, and to act on any issues that arise or any behaviours that you notice that are potential causes of mental health issues. So the top tip is to try to prevent it from happening in the first place. My second tip is to be aware and to be informed. So it's really important that you understand about your individual employees and that the managers understand where there may be vulnerabilities or potential historical issues. So it is, is important to ask new employees about their health and well-being when they start. You can't ask health questions generally before somebody's offered a job. But once they are offered employment with you, you can ask them to fill out a health questionnaire where you can ask questions about uh, previous health conditions. And then if somebody does disclose something on their form, it's again important to ask follow-up questions. Find out exactly when they were ill, what they did to overcome it, if they are still taking medication or if they're still having treatment and then explore any potential reasonable adjustments to the role that may help to prevent them from being subject to any mental health conditions in the future. So if they have a vulnerability somewhere, try and identify what that is, communicate with them and work with them to make sure that you set things up appropriately to prevent issues from arising in the future. And always ensure that the most appropriate persons in your organisation are informed about mental health and disability. So if an employee makes a disclosure, ensure that you're telling someone more senior or in HR or somebody within your organisation who may be potentially trained to deal with these particular issues. My third top tip is to understand the warning signs of ill health. The best managers really know their staff and are able to identify when a problem may arise or be arising. So they're able to see differences in somebody's behaviour. So there are lots of things that may be a sign and not necessarily mean that they are suffering with mental health issues at that time or they're on the verge of a breakdown for example but if you start to see some changes it can be a good time to intervene and have a conversation. So for example missing deadlines, erratic or negative behaviours, irritability, tearfulness, uh, complaining about their workload if you notice an increased consumption of things like alcohol or caffeine or smoking, they might be tired, they might have increased sickness absence, they might just be looking different to how they normally look, they might not take as much care in their appearance. So there are lots of warning signs there to show that somebody is either suffering or on the verge of suffering with a mental health condition. And so as a manager, you should really understand your people, understand the differences and be able to look at them and see and address those things really early on. Now it's not always easy in a big team and lots of the time people will try to hide it, they try to cope and may not be showing any signs openly but the more you know about people that work with you the better you are at identifying those issues and that's where things like regular one-to-ones come in, discussions about workload and ensuring people are happy and feel confident to communicate with you when a problem is arising and that leads me nicely on to my tip number four which is about communication my favorite thing to talk about so make sure that you are creating a culture within your organization where people feel that they can openly talk about their struggles they can feel free to talk to managers without the fear of reprisals So communicate your stance as an organisation on mental health and what steps you're taking to help your staff. If you go back to my top tip number one about prevention and doing things like a mental health risk assessment is a good way of starting that process. And encourage honest and open communication where staff feel that it really is okay to talk about mental health. You can do this in appraisals, one-to-ones or informal chats about staff's progress. It does help to reduce the stigma and it enables you to work better with staff to prevent things from happening. And then if somebody is absent from work, whether it be for a mental health condition or some other reason, it is really important to maintain communication with them and try to identify where the issues are and what the causes are if somebody is off sick with anxiety and depression, for example. My fifth tip for you is to create a really good culture in your organization. So you can introduce various things. For example, a mental health work action plan, which again sets out how you are behaving and what you expect of people. You should have a mental health and well-being policy within your handbook. You could develop your own core standards and expectations. You could have a, a system in place where you have training on a regular basis both for managers and individuals to identify where issues may be arising so teaching and training staff to identify within themselves when they're on the verge of a breakdown or, or a burnout or try to identify the things that could lead to that before it happens so creating a culture within your organization where you're normalizing these conversations and you're encouraging people to be open by creating the paperwork if you like to back it up and my sixth tip is to give meaningful consideration to reasonable adjustments sometimes employers say that they look at reasonable adjustments but actually they're just paying lip service they don't really give meaningful consideration to them and or they might only consider them in a situation where an employee has a disability of course In a situation where somebody has a disability for the purposes of the Equality Act, you have an obligation by law to look at reasonable adjustments where you can. But you could also consider making adjustments for those other people. As I said at the beginning, if somebody identifies early on that they have a history or a vulnerability for, let's say, anxiety and depression and in the past that's been brought on by work-related stress, then you could introduce some reasonable adjustments for them in your workplace to prevent that from happening. Of course, what we want to do is be the best employer we can, but also to prevent things from happening, ensure that employees are productive and at work. So the more you can think about making changes or adjustments that would help your employees, the better. And obviously you have to be honest about what you can and cannot change and there may be some factors that are outside of your control and of course in many jobs there is always an element of pressure and stress but it's about how you support the staff and manage that so again as I say my sixth tip is just to give meaningful consideration to some changes that you can make within your organization either on an individual basis or collectively to tackle those kinds of potential pinch points for staff. Now finally, I just want to round up with some practical ideas for you, some things that over the years I've seen work really well and some ideas that you might want to consider in your own organisation if you haven't already thought about it. The first is about encouraging the sharing of ideas and information amongst staff. Now, some employees may be very happy to talk about their own mental health, wellbeing journey and to share if they've been through an experience that they've come out the other side of. Now, that's a great way of really ensuring everybody understands what the issues are and having that open communication and encouraging staff. It's all very very well and good HR or management talking about it. But if you've got an employee who's lived it and can actually share their own experiences amongst staff, I think that's a fantastic way. So really do encourage staff to talk and, again, create this open culture. Consider having a forum um, to share ideas and experiences. So if you don't have somebody who wants to speak out, maybe consider having a, a, a staff mental health team or um, forum or you know, a get-together or something like that where people get together and talk about ideas and experiences. As I said really at the beginning, it's important to think about mental health as you would physical health. So promote and support good health for all both in a physical and mental sense you could consider creating a mental health mission statement that you share and um, what are your what's your mission and your goal around it you could create a workplace wellbeing panel so again bringing staff together to talk about ideas and to share them and also on a very basic level, you can share and distribute links and literature for various support organisations or awareness or articles or anything, you know, books that may be helpful. Just kind of creating, again, that ongoing dialogue. So it's not just something that you talk about. We create a policy and we talk about it and we say, we're, right, we're a great mental health champion. We look after our staff. We're going to make sure our mental health is great. And well-being is great but then just forget about it and never talk about it again. So these sort of practical ideas are about constantly keeping that dialogue open with staff um, and managers and raising awareness. As I said at the start, it's really just about some practical steps based on my own experience on how employers can start to deal with this issue in the workplace in an appropriate way. Now, of course, if you have somebody who is signed off sick or comes to you and says that they have depression and anxiety, there are steps you need to take in order to uh, deal with that and address it as a separate issue. So what I've been talking about here are really the things you can put in place to help prevent those issues from happening and some really good practice. Um, Of course, if you have somebody who has a long-term condition and it's an ongoing condition, then they may very well qualify as a disabled person under the Equality Act. And so therefore you would have a legal obligation to make reasonable adjustments and different approach to it in my view. So it's worth getting some advice if you have that situation arise. Of course, if you have any questions, you can get in touch. And what I really like to hear is what your ideas are or things you've implemented in your own organisations or you've heard about that are really good ways in which employers can address mental health at work and really be the best employer in regards to this so do get in touch if you've got anything to share my email is allison at RealEmploymentAdvice.co.uk. and of course if you implement any of the tips or ideas that I've given here and they start to work for you again I'd really love to hear from you and know that how you've implemented them in your organization as always thank you so much for continuing to listen to the podcast I really appreciate it. And of course, if you are enjoying the podcast and you've got a couple of minutes, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please do leave a review or a rating. Um, It really helps other people to find the podcast and also helps me, encouraging me to get the podcast episodes done every fortnight. Um, So thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic two weeks when I'll be back with another episode.